0: Good evening, and welcome to another episode of the DFWTO podcast. I'm your host Casper. I'm your other host Becky Gremlin. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays, even though it's Thursday because <laughs> <laughs> because Wednesdays are for podcast, We just had to do a slight
1: rescheduling. Casper um, had to go and get food poisoning, guys. Like, I what's did. up with that? Like. Cause she totally did it on purpose, and like I just was mentioning, it was salad, <laughs> and you
0: know a cookie would never so salad. Healthy food will always betray you. So, I, I mean, just... it does go bad faster. <laughs> I'm just saying. But in all reality, I that was zero out of ten.
1: Um, zero out of ten. Do not like it. I did not record. Do not. Do recommend. not recommend.
0: <laughs> um, but we're very grateful because our guest this evening has been was so kind to reschedule with us. Um. When we went to Horror Hound, we the last episode that we had, we kind of told you guys we had like some interviews coming up, and our first interview. Also, this is our 200th episode, Woo! which is amazing. Um, <laughs> those old vine sounds. Um, our our guest this evening comes to us from Horror Hound Film Fest. Um, his movie, he is the writer and director of a movie called Final Summer, which is kind of like a modern 80s slasher. Um, it was absolutely fucking incredible, and we are so excited to have him on the podcast. Thank you for joining us this evening, Mr. John Iceberg. Oh,
2: absolutely. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was really fun to uh, talk with you both at Horror Hound, so thanks again.
0: It was funny that we kept running into each other, too. Like, every time, right. even <laughs> it wasn't even, like, the same day. Like, we just kept running into each other at the convention. <laughs>
1: right,
0: yeah. <laughs> That's how it always
1: happens, though. Um, right. But yeah, John, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to do this. We and thank both... you for rescheduling last minute because yeah. I decided to go and get sick. <laughs> I
2: I get it. That's not sounds that's not fun. To to so, yeah, no worries.
1: We both, um, you know, it was just really kind of serendipitous how all of this happened because, um, you know, we, we love this podcast. We love talking about all things horror, especially the film industry. And, um, you know, just for various financial reasons, <laughs> as as things happen we really weren't even planning on on attending horror hound um and then we got uh an amazing opportunity to be a part of the media um who, i don't we, know if you knew this we shout, out who we got ryan, to shout out ryan ryan and, uh, uh, uh horror
0: fan ryan and justin ord which is yeah. aka dark from horror hound. shout out to those guys for um, giving us the
1: opportunity to be a part of the media
0: for the film festival. Um, I don't know if you knew this, John, but that was the first time that they ever had podcasters come and do that.
1: Really?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's the first time they ever did that. So So that
1: was just such a great opportunity for us. And um, getting to experience the convention on the film festival side was actually even more exciting than I ever could have imagined. And Mm -hmm. being the cinephiles that we are, it was really, really great to get to see these independent films um, and shorts, and not only that, be able to talk to the people that are involved, because I feel like that's really the best, The one of the best aspects of films is being able to watch it, but then being able to see how and why and all of the aspects that, that put it together. So um, we were really grateful for the opportunity. It was so great to see your film. We both absolutely loved it. Um, yeah like when
0: it comes up on DVD, hit us up because i will buy it
1: okay. yes
2: <laughs> yes <Right>. please <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll get you that's, that's all good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> very much appreciated um so we like to usually start off usually our our general question most uh for the majority of interviews that we've done um we always like to start off by asking because we have our various favorite horror films um what is your favorite horror film it could even be favorite horror franchise. If you have right. one or two or even three that you could narrow it down to, what would you say uh, is your favorite?
2: Uh, so tough. There's there's so many good ones. Right. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, just I guess like, yeah, you know, I probably go with Halloween, even though it's kind of up and down in terms of, uh, you know, what was that one Resurrection with Busta Rhymes where he's like, you know, like. Kung Fu jump to Michael Myers. We don't talk about that. We don't talk. I love bus arrives, but we don't talk about that one. Come on. No, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that one's kind of insane. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess the Friday the 13th franchise has yeah. kind of a big place in my heart, too, because of just the, the consistent uh, quality <laughs> of that one. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's tough, you know, I don't know. Favorite horror franchises, man, that's, I don't know. I was watching like Nightmare on Elm Street recently and I kind of, I don't know. That's a tough one. I'll, I'll have to get back to that. But I think, uh, yeah, that's a tough one. I don't know. You
1: already named off some great ones. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, and, yeah. and I think that's, that's why I, uh, I always tend to ask uh franchise over film because sometimes that right. can be hard to narrow it down to just a film in in itself because i think what we're seeing now more than anything is that franchises are really kind of taking on a life of their own so i think right. it's i think it's credible to say that there's yeah. franchises that people are in favor of versus just one film as a whole
0: see it's really hard to narrow that down too because like as a franchise as far as every if I could say that there was a franchise that every movie was good, the only franchise I can name is Scream. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. um, there, I mean, but that's the thing. That's like you said about Halloween, it has its ups and downs. Some of the Halloween yeah. movies are absolute perfection. Yeah. So it's like, right. it's sometimes yeah. it's like an average. Like the really good ones make up for <laughs> the really <laughs> shitty ones. That's right. so <laughs> true. Same with Nightmare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. No,
2: it's, I mean, it's interesting because, like, I was. I was talking to some um, uh, some of the actors from um, uh, what is it, uh, Friday the Thirteenth franchise, and you know I don't know, like I talked to, I mean, I'm, I'm blanking right now, but uh, just just the the way they kind of kept the, the the film franchises alive through, like I think horror cons are a big part of why people are still interested in Friday the Thirteenth and stuff, you know, because like they're they're continuing to keep the name to keep it out there and then now finally some more movement is happening but uh, i I feel like a lot of like we kind of owe a lot of it to the to the actors who go to the horror cons to keep it i don't know if that's just my kind of soapbox there (laughs) because i don't know i just remember in the 80s like i don't know if you like remember but i just remember like uh slasher films were not like liked no (laughs) like my critics at all and it was just you know, it was like the whole kind of conservative era and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like the what is it, that movie, um Ah shoot, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night when it was mm. freaking out about the <laughs> so, uh. So I, I don't know I think we kind of owe a lot to a lot of the actors from those franchises you know so anyway just just some thoughts.
0: No, I agree mm-hmm. wholeheartedly. I'm uh, and I love the fact that they do keep coming oh, back for to sure. conventions, and they're so much yeah. older. And I'm like, oh, I love it. It's so beautiful to see all their. Well,
1: I mean, they really paved the way. You know, I I know for me, um, I'm I'm pushing forty. My husband's in his forties. He actually was a he was a bigger. This is from his dad growing up in the eighties, he was a big Friday the 13th fan of the free and watched the franchise more as a whole out of any of the other horror ones. And I really didn't get into Friday. Saw the first film and of course loved it and knew who Jason was and, and everything. Um, And, but I think what really, really pulled me more into the franchise is watching that amazing um anthology that documentary they did that uh oh, yeah. Corey Feldman um hosted, <laughs> like yes. going through every film and talking to the actors in every film and the the start of how Friday the thirteenth uh with Sean Cunningham and like how it got its start and right the whole thing, like that that really pulled me in even oh, more yeah. to go back and wanna like let me revisit these movies. Like some of the like, half of these I've never even seen and oh, yeah. You know, I think, and I know with my age, I think one of, the, like, the biggest ones I remembered were towards the end of the franchise when they couldn't even use Friday the 13th anymore. And, like,
0: Jason X was just, yes. oh, my God. Like, in all reality, like, that's the movie Like, what is I hate. happening? That's the movie I hate the most, but it has my favorite kill in it. So.
1: Well, I think, I think, like. <laughs> You know, I think it's safe to say that once you go to space, you jump the shark big time. Really? I mean, it's yeah, over. Yeah. Once the franchise is in space, there's it's done. Like
2: Are, you, you, are know? you talking about the are you talking about the the frozen head on the counter? Oh my god. That's totally the one. It is
0: a great kill. It's a fantastic right.
2: kill. <laughs> oh yeah, I just watched it. I watched it like a couple, like a, a month ago, and I I think I was like live Instagramming as I was watching it because oh. I was just laughing at how kind of ridiculous the <laughs> movie was. But I was like, you know, like the David Cronenberg kill was pretty cool, you know. So that was pretty awesome. And then, but yeah, when they go to space, I think my favorite dude in the whole Jason Ten is Brodsky. Like how yes. the guy got that name, I have no idea. <laughs> <But> like. <laughs>
0: How does, how was that movie a movie?
2: Like oh, I just no. he's like this total badass like black dude and then he has a this Irish name or whatever like Brodsky or Polish name or something like all right you know I'm here for that but like I always laugh at the end when like they're watching Jason he's like flying through space towards them and then out of nowhere like Brodsky like swoops in and like just blocks him and then he's like beating him in the face as they're <laughs> falling through the atmosphere <laughs> So, it's so ridiculous. It's amazing. Oh, I kind of, I kind of love it. And then also, I remember that one actor. She was like, uh, right before she gets sucked out of that grate, she's like, "Oh, this sucks on so many levels." And then she gets sucked through the grate <laughs> into space, and it's like, "Wow!" Like
1: <laughs> comedy at its finest. I mean, oh, that was God. really early two thousands. That was like yeah. when was Freddy versus Jason? Was that four? Oh, right around the same grow. time. Yeah. <laughs> It was right around the same Peak time. Comedy. I actually saw, I saw that 2003. So that was
0: yeah.
1: right after I graduated high school. And like, Peak I saw that in the theaters and I was just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. wow. Except, you know, but you know what? At the end, the fight that I feel like the end of the movie was real. And it had, again, one of the, the bed, mm-hmm. you know, him, Jason, t- folding the, the bed in. I love that kill. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. Catherine Isabel, the kill in the, in the field, um, the, right. the party, the, like, that was great. Catherine Isabel, like, the, when she, her, yeah. I always forget scene that, she's in and, that I know, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the fight scene between the books. Bar- so, you know, I think that's funny how some yeah. of these films you can dog out, but, like, you watch them again years later and they have all these, like, really good elements in them. It just, oh, yeah. uh, as a whole, uh, the movie is kind of like, what? Right. <laughs>
2: I remember, like Jason versus Freddy, they kind of went Scooby Doo, and they, they I yes, think they riffed they riffed a little bit on um, mall rats or with like you know, clerks clerks, like Jay and Silent Bob, like the stoner guy.
1: Well, and the, I think so, they were supposed like, to be dang. in it. There was a whole there was something where they were supposed oh. to be a part of it. I I think I'm I might have heard that Kevin Smith okay. mentioned that once. Um, I I could be totally wrong, but you're right that one character was totally, I mean, it was just like, oh God, could you not get an even right. more stereotypical stoner right. character? And and I, I too, I, I know the funniest part of it was just like, I don't know what kind of weed this is, but I never saw a caterpillar that looked like Freddie right. crawl <laughs> out of some Alice in the one. What? Dude, that stuff is laced. I don't know right. what you got, but it's a bad batch. That is... Right. This is I don't know where nobody ever on God's Green Earth yeah. ever smoked anything where
2: probably. a cat a- <laughs> crawling, yeah, probably not, not the medicinal, no, no,
1: no, 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 it's bad, it's so, tainted, it's yeah, take it back,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always love movies it where like they have characters who are like high in the movie, and you're just like, I feel like this director writer never was high ever to like write these scenes, it, you know it's like going back to like reefer madness when they're like, we're dancing. He's crazy. You know, it's like, that's not anyway, I'll show up.
1: Now. No, it's great. Cause my dad is of a generation where, you know, we, my dad's 75. So we talk about yeah. that a lot. And, um, right. it's actually funny. You mentioned that because her and I, I told her this, one of the things that, um, you know, midsummer has so many different elements to it, but if there's one thing that I can give Ari Aster, is that you know because you find these the psychedelic scenes in the movie oh, yeah, are yeah. from mushrooms essentially ps- psilocybin, yeah. uh mushrooms and I was just like okay well he's he's done something. <laughs> I told I told her this I was like not to get to I'm not incriminating myself here allegedly but I was like let me tell you yeah. something Ari Aster is the only one. That has sure. ever gotten it right. He's the yeah. only one. It's like, I'm looking at you, I'm looking at you, buddy. Like you, <laughs> nice. you, got, awesome. yeah, you yeah. got it right. Um, nice. I digress though. Uh oh, yeah. John, your um how did you get into the process of filmmaking? Like where did you get your start? Uh what yeah. made you want to get into filmmaking and then ultimately uh write and direct your own film?
2: Sure. Yeah, when I was um, growing up as a kid, you know, we used to just go to the movies all the time, and I think we, we had this uh, movie theater in Aurora, Illinois, called Paramount Arts Theater, or whatever, and it was just this gorgeous theater uh, from like the 1920s, 1930s, so beautiful, and so I think it just had that, uh, I feel like movies always had an allure in my family, like my, my grandparents would watch Casablanca and stuff like that, so I, and then, you know, we would get together with my cousins. We'd watch, we'd get, like, popcorn, Kool-Aid, and, and watch, like, Goonies and stuff. And so I think it just had a, a mystique to it. And then um, kind of, like, I moved to a small town in uh, just on the western suburbs of uh, Chicago. And then I I went from, like, a lot of friends to, like, two friends, basically. But um, uh, one guy, my friend Mike, had a, a video camera and like, two VCRs and so on the weekends we'd stay over at his house and play video games but mainly just make movies all the time on his like VHS camcorder and then we just take them we started like for class sometimes we'd start you know for speech class we would do like a commercial or something like that and just kind (laughs) of went from there and I think that idea was always in in my head and so when I went to college uh, I went to go major in cinematography but I like dropped out after a semester. you know, but I, I just, I, you know, I didn't realize till I was like in my thirties, my I had ADHD or ADD or whatever. And so I think my twenties made more sense after that, but it was kind of like, I, I was in bands and we would do music videos. And I remember one video we did, we, I was so kind of intrigued by the process and we were in LA shooting this music video and uh, just the cinematographer, I just thought he was like the coolest guy I'd ever met. And like, I just wanted to know more about that. And And then finally, like, uh, when I moved to Champaign, you know, I was in more bands. We started doing more music videos. And I was starting to shoot, like, you know, like, videos on, like, my iPhone or whatever. And then finally this film came to town in 2014. It was a movie called Consumed uh, from, like, Zoe Lister Jones and Daryl Ween. (laughs) And I had my summer off because I was teaching. And, uh, you know, I saw that they were asking for, like, interns, people to work on it. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to intern. And so I interned as a grip and just completely fell in love with the process, you know. And I was in the Army, and so it felt like walking onto a film set and seeing how the, kind of like the chain of command and how every department has its own structure felt very much like the Army. And so it really felt very familiar and kind of comfortable and just completely loved it. It was it was incredible, and then I, I got to do a, a dolly shot one day with, like, Beth Grant, who was, like, uh, you know, like the uh, sparkle motion from uh, Donnie Darko or whatever.
1: Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah,
2: that was kind of cool, but I remember, like... Uh, That's one of intense. my
1: favorite movies. I just oh, yeah,
2: absolutely yeah. love that movie. No, it was, it was great. It was just kind of cool, because then I, I remember going to see when they they... Uh, premiered that film we had like a hometown premiere for consumed in my town and it was cool because like one scene in the movie it's like this locked off dolly shot i remember the dp was like because i was operating the dolly i was just an intern but it was really cool to see the kind of like the ballet between you camera operator the actors in the scene and all of that stuff and so i just remember seeing that one shot and the the DP at the time is like this is your shot you know because it's all locked off, like you're controlling the camera and that was just like so wild and so after that I just remember you know it, it was I'd just gotten out of this pretty t- terrifying relationship and so to go right into this movie that made me feel like a real person again it was kind of amazing and so after it was done I remember like the you know just going to like i missed it so much i went to like a home depot <laughs> where they had like you know, pony clips and stuff like that and i just i wanted to like continue being around it and so i i got like a t3i a canon dslr camera and just started shooting tons of stuff and then i graduated to like a black magic cinema camera and then i started to kind of help out at this um local production house in Champaign called Shatterglass Films for Shatterglass Studios. And and then next thing you knew, I was, I was kind of working on commercials and then shooting tons of music videos because Champaign's got a really good music scene. And it just kind of grew from there. So, uh, yeah. And I'll break this up because it's kind of a long answer. No, you're totally fine. <laughs> but, yeah. No, it's just um, – and, it, and kind of like the reason that we, we, we were able to do Final Summer was I started doing this uh, – <clears throat> it's just like nonprofit, like this free indie film workshop in the back of Shatterglass. Like I had keys to the place. And I always remember like how, like when I would hear about Trent Reznor, he used to work at the studio in Cleveland and he would just make coffee and like, you know, sweep the floor during the day and at night, he had keys to the studio. So he'd be in there like kind of honing his sound. And, and that made me think about Shatterglass and in in that kind of way where I had keys to the place, they had a, a red camera and so I would go in there, and I would just learn as much as I could about it all the time and just practice with lighting. And and then just kind of over time, more and more college kids and high school kids came into the workshop. And, and with my experience with being on a film set, you know, it's very white and male and also very, you know, privileged in terms of socioeconomic status. And so I wanted to do something that was kind of more like I'm pretty blue collar. My dad was a paramedic. My mom was a nurse. And so I wanted to, to kind of break that that barrier and just saw people who would never think or even entertain the idea of making a movie to kind of come in, you know, and so it was really cool, you know, um, just, just, uh, just very inspiring to me and I feel like I learned so much, you know, like I would say, like you learn a lot by teaching and I feel like that was great for me, so yeah.
1: I couldn't agree more, yeah, and that's such a, what a neat opportunity though to have that, to be able to... You know, and I, yeah. I do know that Trent Reznor story, too. That's just really neat that you're able yeah. to have that and not have to, you know, because like you said, and that is very true, like um, a lot of times in and, you know, we're obviously seeing less and less of that. Now you are seeing yeah. way more diversity, especially in like the horror industry right. um, and not even just so much actors like people putting the movies together um, where you're seeing so much more of that diversity. And then you getting the opportunity to work with people that come from all these different backgrounds and cultures, and are like, yeah. "Hey, look, you know, we we want to do this, but we don't have those same doors open for us, oh, sure. so yeah. to speak." I mean, so yeah,
2: it was kind of wild. I remember um, the last kind of because I taught uh, kids with emotional disabilities for like four years and. Typically, your your time period in that job is like a year and a half because it's so intense and it burns you out so bad. And um, I did it for like four years. <laughs> and then I had to quit because I was like, I was fried and not in a good place. And, and those kids need someone who's like, fresh <clears throat> and, and, and able to support a them. A thousand
1: percent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why but, I didn't do the, I almost thought about going into that line of work
2: myself. Oh, yeah. It, and I so, thought, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah
1: not until i get my own like because no you're you're absolutely right like if you can't give 100 percent of that because yeah yeah Yeah, no i I totally get it
2: i remember like as i as i was into it i I started to see how there's so much like kind of just the social skills development and 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 you're kind of building confidence too when you're on a set you know because so i started to bring some of my experiences on a film set into my class and so i had I had like these kids who normally they would be at each other's throats calling each other all every name in the book like i'll kill you this and that and the other thing (laughs) and i had kind of going around the school we had like i brought like a t3i in and i made them into a film crew where i gave them roles like okay you're like you know dp sound you know you're a camera op, you're the director you're interviewer you're lighting whatever and so it was kind of cool because like they, they would go around the school and interview people and it was a chance for them to get. To, to meet other people as well and, and build their self-esteem and I just remember it was so funny because these kids would be like literally like five minutes before like I'm, I'll kill you, you son of a this and that and then they'd be like quiet on set pictures up sounds <laughs> and, <laughs> and action and we were like totally silent like that silent focus during the uh during the, the shoot and I just I go back to I think you know we don't I, I think education comes in many forms and like to be able to give kids opportunities that they would never have you know because these kids come from like you know backgrounds where their parents are addicts or, or they have no families or their foster care or something like that so it's just so it's really cool to to bring a love of something to kids and you never know what you you know you never know what you spark so anyway that's <laughs> i can talk about this all day so yeah but uh
1: cool no that was a great that was a great answer. Thank you. Yeah.
2: So,
0: so as far as, uh, the movie goes, I know you kind of talked about this at horror hound, but we weren't recording. So, um, as far as the movie final summer goes, what was the inspiration for you for that particular film for you to write it? Um, yeah. and what was the, I guess the process of getting it started. Sure.
2: So the inspiration, um, you know as as we kind of grew uh more and more through the um through the film workshop we did uh we would work on on bigger sets coming to town we worked on this netflix documentary where uh, some random guy like pulled a gun on us <laughs> During like the martini shot, that's that's another story. <laughs> oh God! But, oh my God! <laughs> okay. Really insane, but the documentary was uh, it was uh, for Netflix is called Rising Phoenix, and, and and a lot of the crew came out on that, and that was really awesome. And then we did uh, uh like this the physics department at U of I kind of approached me about doing this um, kind of like a web series, and so I I did one that was kind of Stranger Things inspired about girls going into STEM and just all of those kinds of things and that was really fun and the crew from my workshop I kind of hired them all as crew paid them through this grant and and I felt like we just kept growing and growing and growing and finally we did a, a two music videos for my friend Jeff Schroeder who played in a band called Night Dreamer and he also plays guitar in the Smashing Pumpkins and and the shoot was so ambitious and I felt like once we did that and we were all together as a crew, like really tight, I just felt like it's time to do a feature film, you know, like we got to, that's the next kind of natural step, because I kind of felt like I'm not getting any younger, and so I need to, you kind of need to make it happen for yourself, like no one's going to give you an opportunity, so I was like, all right, this is either going to be a calling card for my abilities as a director or as a cinematographer, but I got to do it, you know. (laughs) And so, and so then it just became like finding the right idea, and it's like how can you scale your film to where it's achievable on little to no money, and then it was like all right, you know, just scaling the story to like oh it takes place over one night, and then we were gonna do this like this, you know, like this. Uh, i was kind of like there, there's this movie called monster about a mom and her daughter that are stuck in a car in the middle of a forest and it's kind of like that was kind of the idea we're originally going to go through but then i saw that movie i'm like nope so
1: <laughs> i saw that so, movie complete sorry to cut you off but i saw that movie completely by accident oh, um yeah, yeah. because my my uh my husband tends to like more like um kind of the creature aspect right. of horror he it's, likes anything yeah. that has like monsters or yeah. anything yeah. like big creature effects or anything so we yeah. were like, "Oh, okay. It's called Mozart. Let's turn this on." And yeah. not knowing, though, I mean, a lot of it was okay. Yeah, there's a mot, but a lot of it was like very allegoric, and
2: oh, sorry. there were yeah. so
1: many other things going on, and like trauma. And we were like, right. "Oh my god, I was not prepared for what I thought this movie was
2: going to be." It was tough, yeah. but
1: it, yeah. I mean, it was we we liked it ultimately, but it was one of those like. if I watch this again it's probably going to be a while because it is it's very emotional I we both Uh, had no idea going in that's
2: what it was going to be yeah it was pretty heavy no and so finally it was just like I found a boy scout camp nearby and I asked them like hey do you think I could shoot a film there and they said yes and I was like all right cool and so that that kind of helped me to to figure out okay it's going to be a summer camp slasher because I love I love summer camp slashers like Sleepaway Camp and The Burning and the Friday the Thirteenth movies and a bunch of other ones too. And then I grew up on like the, I went to the summer camp as a kid, so it felt fun. And I and, and I kind of wanted to make a film that that was like the most fun version of a Friday the Thirteenth film because they're a little slow sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they're a little boring and you know you get they drag out the ending, you know. And so I wanted to do something that was like a roller coaster. And so <clears throat> So we would just kind of get together with the workshop. So as I was, I would kind of talk with them on the ideas and, you know, you know, just kind of share like, you know, what do you think about this, these characters, this and the other thing, just making sure that it's kind of hitting not only my generation, but like their generation too. And and finally we went to like the camp to do like a sizzle reel shoot and we were kind of getting a sense of the place. And, uh, and then I would do a lot of like night force exterior exercises with them where we'd be you know, like learning how to work as a crew after dark, you know, because, <laughs> you know, because I would tell them stuff like, you know, make sure you have a headlamp, you know, make sure you wear gloves, you know, like this is no joke kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Pay attention <clears> to the <throat> stuff. But the, until you're there doing it, you really don't understand, like, why you should bring a headlamp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, because it sucks. It's, you drop, like, some thing in the dark on your way to set, and you're like, you don't have a headlamp. You're like, oh, no. <laughs> So, it's, so it was kind of, it just kind of, that was, that at least that, that was kind of like the production slash technical side. And then from kind of the personal side, the emotional side, um, I kind of resonated a lot with the final girl uh, character. <clears throat> like I was in a, a pretty terrifying, very abusive uh, relationship with someone who was basically sociopath and, you know, went through a lot of pretty insane things. And so I found myself really relating to the final girl characters in, in, in movies, because like I always say, like when you go through something so crazy, it's, it's hard to kind of relate to other people. <laughs> you know? Cause I'd always have someone like, Oh, I dated this crazy person once. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, not quite.
1: <laughs> That's something you and I found out we had un- unfortunately, fortunately had in common <laughs> and yeah. you're right. Yeah, it is. Um, I think it's almost kind of in the same way with grief. If people goes, right. if people go, and people may not even be doing it to be insensitive. They're just like, "Oh, you lost your grandma." My cat died once. Like they're not, they're not. I know it was a horrible. But I mean, they're not. Oh, they're my not, goldfish died. Like they're not trying. You know, they're not trying to be insensitive. They're they're trying their best to like relate. Oh yeah, yeah. But you know, and so I, I get that when people are like, oh yeah, man, I've been, I've, I had some bad relationships and it's like, okay, (laughs) you're like, okay, all right. I'm sure. And I'm totally to you. I'm totally sure you have, but, uh, uh, you know, like I, I get it and you're right. It does. It it does ultimately, it does change you. It, I feel like, well, cause it's PTSD and I, you know, and I, my dad, um, was in Vietnam and, uh, has PTSD, you know, like most more vets do. And even though it comes from two different things, uh, the the main thing with PTSD is it all, it does change you. You you are right. forever changed.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, because it, it, it didn't... It was just such a trauma. It was such an intense, like, a period of my life when I was going through that stuff. And then coming out of it, you don't really... You know, like, I remember one time I went to the hospital, I thought I was having a heart attack, and it was, like, this terrible panic attack, and it it was, like, the worst pain I'd ever been in, and, and then there are other things, other aspects of PTSD, like, the tunnel vision you get, or, like, I did not like people standing behind me at all, Uh, just lots of different things, or even, like, you know, like, talk about your triggers, like, sounds you'd hear, uh, like, a, a certain ringtone, you know, uh, you know all sorts of stuff was kind of from that and and it and so it and again like you know like I you know I saw like gone girl for the first time and I was like laughing at all these really inappropriate moments in the film cuz I was like this is so insane how real this feels right to me you know or you know or the, or, I talked about there's three movies that I kind of talk to people about when I'm trying to describe like what I went through, it's like, well, go see Gone Girl, because that's what they're like. Mm -hmm. Go see uh, Love and Mercy, which is this movie about uh, Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. And it's like, that's what it feels like to be under their kind of control. And then there's another movie with Elizabeth Moss called uh, The Invisible Man. And that's what it feels like to try to get people to see what you're (laughs) going through, you know.
1: I don't mean to laugh, I'm so sorry. Uh, Casper, so, well. Casper saw Invisible Man, and she's she's pretty aware of what I went through in my situation. Yeah. And she told me, she's like, at the time, she's like, I don't know if you're ready to see this.
0: Yeah. And- but I'm like, <laughs> the ending, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the ending's worth I was like, that ending is so satisfying.
2: Uh, it triggered, that one triggered me really bad. I, I, I remember... I, I
1: still have not s- just for the record I still have not seen it to this day because I'm I'm still even though mine happened some time yeah. ago I'm there's just certain movies I'm I'm just not sure. ready. Well you you understand. Yeah, because it's I'm like, oh sure. god, I got to bring this. This will be the next thing to talk about in therapy. I got to bring <laughs> this all back up
2: i'm like i'm like oh i love i love beach boys i love brian wilson i'm gonna go see that what could possibly happen and then i had like the worst panic attack i think i walked around like a band of chain smoking for like two hours so i finally calmed down because <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> you're like you... i remember there was one scene in particular where like he he's he's in the studio and like his his kind of love interest uh, this uh, melinda ledbetter she goes to him to get him out of the studio, she's like, "You gotta leave. Like, is this is not healthy?" Da da da. And then like this voice comes on over the p. And that, the way he was like gaslighting. Oh, I can't believe you you think I would do. Th-? Oh, it was so horrifying. I just remember like, I gotta get out of here because my heart rate was like just like two two, two sixty or two uh, two hundred eighty <laughs> beats a minute, minute at that point. I don't know. It was, it was pretty intense. But, yeah. yeah,
1: I've I've actually never seen Love and Mercy. I've heard yeah. of it, and I I am a big Beach, I mean, my dad, you know, obviously grew up. Yeah. I, I even got to see him in concert um, yeah. with Brian, which was amazing. Yeah. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I, I was, this was obvious, right. well, like 50, 13 years, like their 50th anniversary tour or something when they yeah. were touring. So it's still been a while ago, but I mean, that, I don't yeah. even care. I mean, it was such a thrill even to see like their legends, you know? I mean, oh, yeah. Um, that,
2: that was really good. And I think that kind of went to, what I wanted to put into the film, so to to bring it to to the movie, it was kind of like, I I, I don't know, I wanted to have it feel real a bit, you know, where the the killer, you know, because people, I remember we got some criticism, like, oh, they didn't explain why, you know, like the killer motivation at the end, I'm like, Someone like that would not ever admit to anything <laughs> they, would, they would gaslight you while they have a gun in your face you know what I mean saying you're doing this thing all that kind of stuff that's what I experienced and not not a gun in my face but I mean the gaslighting to the end you know like they would never admit unless no one was around and then they would only admit to be cruel or something right and so it was just kind of so I kind of wanted to bring that sense of it to the to the film and I remember. It was, it was really only when we started to shoot some of those scenes where the cast and the crew started <clears> to kind of understand what I was talking about, about some of these scenes where they, they're like, I don't get it on paper, but then when we we're there watching it, they're like, whoa, this is a different level of kind of messed up. So, I don't know. So that was, was helpful. I think it's like, you know, uh, I think that's a good thing about art, though, is like if you can kind of exercise your demons or whatever through art, you know, it's like. It's a constructive way to get rid of it.
0: <laughs> oh, I you agree. Know. I think Whole, it's really cool too. Like I don't always have to me anyways, if a killer doesn't have a motivation, to me that's scarier. Right. Like if if there's if they're just a fucking psychopath out here killing people, like <clears throat> like the first Halloween, for instance, right. you really don't have any backstory on Michael at all. And he's just out here after this woman. And then in the second one, they gave him, well, she's a sister. And then you kind of get a backstory. And I'm like, Right. I don't mind that storyline, but I'm like, he is so much more terrifying when he's just out here killing because he can. Well,
1: because it it puts a real... Mm -hmm. I actually just saw something about this. It puts more of a realism element to Michael. Mm -hmm. There's... Which, like, any sociopath do they right. do they really need a reason do, do you no. do you have does, does there have to be and and what's so crazy is a lot of them um they did have a normal upbringing like they did have a, a normal parents normal life whatever whatever just the wiring didn't quite <laughs> the wiring right. just is yeah. not wired together right and um yeah, so I agree. I think, well, like, for instance, one movie that I, another movie that I'm, triggers, I just, I still haven't seen to this day. And I know it's great. And so many horror fans love it, um, is The Strangers. There was just oh, yeah. something yeah. way too real. My, my husband and I stay in a lot of cabins <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> right. Just yeah. the two of us. You know, and the tagline of the movie, where like, why, you know, Liv Tyler screaming, why did you do this to us? And they're like, because you were home, you know, like we just looked through the window, saw the lights on, like, yo. And I'm like, there is a level of realism to that, to that, that scares me worse than any Freddy, whatever, because that could happen, that does happen. And. Yeah, so that's that's another one of those, and I get chastised for that all the time as a horror fan. You haven't seen the strangers, you know. Right. I there's just some movies I'm probably you know, and I have my reasons. I'm just I just don't want to go there. Oh, yeah.
2: Well, I know, like for me, it was like going to the, those things. It was it was. It's it's hard. The hardest thing for me to kind of accept is that there's somebody like that out there. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think that was the hardest thing to wrap my head around. Yes. Because it's not like a person who is looking at you like a person. It's a person who's looking at you like there's like you are you're a tool for whatever they need. So like you can have a good utility or you can have a bad utility, but you that's your whole purpose. You know, and once you out and and so that. You know, I remember like talking to like, therapists about like they'd be like, "Well, all right, John, it's like, it's like you were through Hurricane Katrina. Just think of it like that, <laughs> okay? <laughs> because you you cannot make sense of something like that. You can't because it's so crazy the things that you've, you know, that, that you go through and you experience. And so that was helpful, I think, to to go to the story is to bring it from that place where, you know, th- there are reasons for things that are happening or there's so much gaslighting that's happening, but it's, it's such a, it's such a crazy thing, you know? So anyway, just,
0: (laughs) I think it's a great how you did it was great too. Like we had talked about a horror hound as well. How, you know, one of the questions that you were asked was how do how do you make your slasher stand out differently than other slashers and bringing the element of PTSD and mental health to it was definitely it because it's like, we love slashers. We love mindless slashers. Sometimes, you know, I just want to put on a mindless slasher. in hey, listen, The background. and not pay attention. It's a comfort. It is. It's a comfort. <laughs> but sometimes I want it to sit with me. Sometimes yes. I want to watch something psychological that I resonate with or something that, you know, really kind of sits with you after you see it. And you really were able to do that with how you did this film. Okay. And that's one of the okay. reasons why we loved it so much because we were like, this isn't just your run of the mill slasher comedy yeah. f- horror film. Like, you also have the real elements that are in yeah. it that you kind of resonate with, and it just, you get emotional. Like, it actually makes you emotional at the end of the film.
2: Yeah. I, I was, I was, I remember watching this. There's a scene in the hospital at the very end between two characters, and I was screening it for some friends. And we would watch it and we were all getting kind of emotional watching it. I just remember saying, This is a slasher movie <laughs> and <I> just started <laughs> laughing at how like I'm like in tears watching it. Because it's like you know, like my dad, he was a paramedic for thirty five years. His his kind of Vietnam was outside of our house, you know, in yeah. our town where like, you know, people he knew died, you know, in front of him on calls he went on. And and so I, I I kind of saw like how he was when he was you know undiagnosed PTSD and and I think it can look very scary and so I think that's why some of the red herring of the film is because they're looking at him from the point of view of he's creepy looking he's got the thousand yard stare he's all this but it's really just like you're you're talking about like your your dad going through Vietnam you know it's yeah it's all part of that and so it and so I felt like it'd be really interesting to have two characters who are going through PTSD, fight or flight, who kind of come to full circle at the end of the film. And so, you know, it was just I feel I feel like that's something I haven't seen before in, in a slasher film. So that was really exciting to to shoot that scene. And it's like you know I don't know it's just it's just so different. And and I was I was listening to. Uh, uh, there's a song by Pat Benatar called Shadows of the Night that I was listening to today. And originally, like, I was going to get Jeff to cover that song as, like, the ending credit song, but I ran out of money. <laughs> so I, you know, name for the sequel or whatever. But when I heard that song, the thing to me that struck me so much about it was it's, like, as a survivor, I don't want to feel, like, s- like yeah, there's so many mixed emotions you have as a survivor, you know. Sometimes because you have to get over that shame, that false, that shame that they put on you, that yeah. that bullshit that make you feel that's not that you should not be ashamed of. You that's know? not, and it's not even real. It's mm-hmm. not. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's it's what they've done to you, right? To make you, and so I, but what I loved about that song is it had this total sense of like power and triumph over the over the darkness that you kind of gone through, and I love how she just kills it on the vocal like Pat Benatar just so rocking it and, and I just felt like that is the the heart of the film is like that emotion of that song because at the end of it she 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 wins she doesn't get to you know she doesn't die right <laughs> no, but, like, but she is able to overcome all of these things and it's not just the killer it's also like her own stuff from before and and I feel like She, I don't know, I just, it was the first, I've seen the movie a million times, and when I was watching it, Horror Hound, I was just, my heart was in my throat the entire time, because I'm watching it, and I'm feeling like, what she really is, is so strong, you know? And so, I was kind of impressed that, yeah, it's just one of those things where you see a movie a million times, and then all of a sudden, you're like, wow, like, you don't think about all the things that she goes through, like, she's saving her friends, she's doing all this other stuff, she's killing the villain, you know, all these (laughs) things and but then even to go to confronting her own sense of failure at the end is is cool and anyway I, I ramble on forever but
1: No, I love so, that. Have you um side note, have you seen I I was fortunate enough to see Pat Benatar in concert a few years wow. ago. Have you ever seen her live?
2: No, no. Oh yeah. Her.
1: It was and it was it was cool because it was like a 4th of July thing in our neighborhood that my husband and I went to and and uh she was playing and yeah the red white and blue ash that's where i actually had red, red white and blue ash my yeah, mom it was, like, actually in 2017 told me 2018 or something and we like randomly <coughs> went um i thought about going out the she lighted. was also i did not realize how big of a pet my husband's like you know all the words to like the last five songs i was like i'm a Way bigger right. Pat Benatar fan than I thought I was.
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, no, and was, she's yeah, she was in oh God, yeah. she blew it out of the water. And that is an incredible song. Um yeah. I know the part that really got me at the end in that scene with when um she's in the hospital is yeah. um because I know this is something that, you know, when you talk about that shame, um because it even kind of I thought about it more later, and I know you and I talked and it kind of choked got me like, oh, got me and yeah. got me climped a little bit Um yeah. was when he looked at her and said, it's not your fault. And I don't right. think that a, if you've never been through anything traumatic like that, when you have somebody look at you and because it's drilled, you know, that, that sociopath has drilled it in your head oh, yeah. Yeah. through all of that, that it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your oh, fault. Yeah. It's your fault. So when somebody, looks at I like I don't even think he realized how much as a whole not even in that scenario of what happened with his son but like not to give him anything away but like the whole but um just everything in her life for him to look how big that meant to her to me to anybody that's been through something like that to hear hey it's not your fault oh
2: yeah
1: it's not your fault like it's it's okay that that was just profound to me like that i i I loved that scene i i love i mean the the movie is incredible as a whole but like that scene was so like that it's not your fault meant so much more in the scope of it not just about the one initial thing between them but about like everything
2: um Because like the kids I taught, you know, the kids I I taught, they would feel like that. They'd feel like yeah. I'm a bad kid. I'm I'm no good. Yes. This is my fault. And I'm like, this has nothing to do with you. And and it's, it's stuff that you know, it's unfortunate you're in that situation. But none of this stuff that happened to you is is it has anything to do with who you are. You know, so it's it's tough. You know, so I think that's important to 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 tell people, you know, and I, I, I remember it's funny because like early on I was, I was going to work with this editor and he was, he was going to come with some money and there, he was like, all right, you got to get rid of this scene. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm going to get rid of you. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, this is the heart of the film, dude. And if you have a problem with the heart of the film, then I think it, it's just not a good match. And he, was, he was a good dude, you know, but it, I think it's like, again, it goes back to that thing where when you're making a film, you got to be careful with like who you bring on and that they're understanding like what you're trying to do. Cause even at the beginning, like, it's like, you say the word slasher film, people are like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like I told all these people I was going to make this slasher film and everybody looked at me like I was nuts. I'm like, no dude, like this is, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a ride, you know, but, um, you know, I, yeah,
0: I have I, to say, I don't think uh, I've ever heard of psychological slasher, but sir, I think you, uh, <laughs> I think I think you started, started a there new was a genre. Sub, there was a whole, I think a <laughs> whole subgenre just got created. <laughs> I think a new subgenre has been unlocked. Yeah,
2: yeah. Post
0: traumatic well, slash PTSD slashers. Post
2: traumatic <laughs> slasher. That's awesome. I love that. That's cool. Well, if we do, because I, I planned it as a trilogy. So, like, if for for example, the the first idea was I wanted it to feel like a long lost, forgotten slasher film from the eighties, like a franchise kind of thing, because you. you when you bring up the franchise thing, I wanted to always have felt like this franchise that you just never heard about. And you're like, where, where was this movie at? Like, what the hell kind of thing? And then to go to the themes of the film, the theme of this film is fight or flight. And then the next one would be kind of like that next stage of PTSD of chaos, where you're you're trying to separate what's real and what's false. And then the final thing is kind of this final kind of healing in a way where everything is kind of exposed because that's the other thing, it's like, once, you know, they always say, like, you know, like, oh, you know, they're 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 done talking about it when they're done talking about it. <laughs> you know, it's not for you to tell them, oh, we don't want to hear about it, or you talk about it all the time. It's like, you're ready to talk, when you're done talking about, like, the, the, the stuff that you went through, then it's like, that's a good healing step, you know, yes. kind of thing. And so, like... So I think, and, and part of that is the truth getting out, you know. Because I think, so that was why there's some scenes in in particular. There's like this one kill scene that is shot like on a wide, where one character kills the other character, and then immediately turns around, realizes someone's watching, and they're like, oh, "He's the killer," you know, "he's the you know kind of thing." And yeah, yeah. And the and the reason I wanted to shoot that in the wide was because I wanted the audience to even understand, like at no point in time is there any doubt as to what is now happening and who is doing what, you know? And, and I think that's to me was an important thing because there are times when you, you, you're so gaslit and you're so kind of lied to and, 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 manipulated to where you don't know anything that's going on half the time that's real. So it's,
1: yes. So,
2: so, so I wanted to show that sense of what gaslighting would look like if you were a third person in the thing watching this like, what the hell are you talking about i just saw you do this
1: yes (laughs) oh that was perfect especially from a perspective of people that have never i mean that that may not necessarily know what it is like they've they've never been through it they don't really know anybody personally that have been through it they've heard (laughs) it but now they actually get to see like oh that's what that oh my god like because we're all seeing it everybody's getting this this view of it we're
0: all getting to see it so funny story because the person that i'm about to reference is never gonna listen to this podcast but someone close and personal to me gaslit me many years and i we were having a conversation and they were like what is gaslighting and i'm like that's fucking hilarious (laughs) I'm like, that's actually fucking hilarious because you've gaslit me my whole life. That's hilarious that right. you don't hilarious
1: what that is when that's right. exactly what you've done. And they
0: literally were like, well, what hold does that mean? And Hold I was up like, a
1: mirror to them. Like, that's what it means. Right.
0: What does it mean? Yeah. It's you. Yeah. Hi. You're the problem. Right. It's you. Like, <laughs> I just literally I was so dumbfounded because I was like, literally, you, you, you Continue to do it to this well, day. not as bad, but continue to do it. And that's also a part of, you know, what I
1: went through with mine. That's a part, really, what I've learned now is that's such a big part of the narcissism. When, like, oh, they literally have no idea. hmm Like, you're telling... And they're like, they're like, huh? Like, they...
0: They, My they, personal favorite is—I never said that. I'm like you. Literally, said it thirty seconds <laughs> totally, ago. Totally. Thirty We're seconds like, ago, like literally. You have to have a tape recorder. You have to have a tape
2: recorder. <laughs> well, this this person would make up all kinds of insane lies, and sometimes, like you know, like like they would email other people pretending to be me. All yeah. Things, wow. All insane stuff and. And it was, it was nuts. Uh, it was, you know, but I'd get like the, oh, your, your, your mom called and she said all these horrible things. I'm like, well, did she let me see, you know, like, well, maybe later we'll see, you know, like, huh, okay, sure. <laughs> of course now you're, and it's like only when you get away from it that you, you get a sense of like perspective, but when you're in it, you have no perspective, you know, no. and, so it's, and you bring up narcissism and that was the thing. Uh, so the who played under the mask, because um, I, I looked at like some other horror films like uh, My Bloody Valentine, and how like you know, was originally going to be in our film as Warren Copper, but uh, oh, due nice. to COVID and, and, and everything, he couldn't he couldn't be in it. But he was really cool, and he he mentioned Peter Copper who was under the mask in My Bloody Valentine, and he had this dance background. And I remember even seeing like Friday 13 Part Three with Richard Brooker. And there's this part where he's in the barn, and he gets pissed because he can't find Chris Higgins. She's hiding. He's just, like, destroying the barn.
1: Yeah,
2: okay. It's such a unique – I just remember being really struck by that because normally Jason, to me, is always like this – call him like a murder zombie where he just lumbers around. It's really (laughs) boring. You know? It's like, whatever, dude, okay. But I was struck by the physicality. And so when I met with Luzza, who played Underneath the, the Mask, Like, they had a dance background, and so I wanted – we talked a lot about who this character is under the mask and how they are a narcissist and how they are all about power and control and kind of getting off on the power they have to make people afraid. And so I was talking with uh, them about how when you're playing this character, they're kind of – they're very powerful, very, like – almost like kind of in a sexual predatory manner where the, how their moves are, are precise and, and smooth. It's not clunky, you know, except for the fact that they're also a real person under there.
1: <laughs> exactly. Like, you
2: know, like, like, they, like if Ted Bundy was under the mask running around, eventually yeah. he's going to get tired and fall down and people are going to like get in a good couple shots here and there and stuff. And so it was interesting to talk with them about what this person would be like and to bring those, those moments to the character, like when they're in the, Oh, like in the um, uh, the the kitchen, you know, and he and uh, the killer is like going against uh, you know, Georgia or whatever. He's like dragging the knife around the across the the counter and throwing the the just to mess with her, you know. Yeah. Because like the cruelty and the knowledge that you're get making someone even more fearful through your actions. So that's yes. kind of. The point of this character so so it was interesting to talk about just the psychology of it and i thought that that Luzzo just did an incredible job uh in in the under the mask so yeah
0: so, oh of course i really that poster which actually like the poster is incredible the pins <clears throat> um that poster i love i love the killer design i love the mask uh-huh. i really i really think it's uh it's very different, and it's that, iconic. The poster and the <clears throat> and
1: the trailer, because the
0: trailer mm-hmm. is essentially the you
1: know, like you were talking about, really making this feel like an old school yeah. franchise. That that beginning of the movie. I mean, I'm getting <laughs> not to give anything away, but like I'm a '90s kid. I'm I was having all the like, are you afraid of
0: the dark mm-hmm. vibes? <laughs> like, what was that yeah. show? What was that show back on day? Be, be not Beetlejuice or was it called Beetle? There was a show on Disney that was like quote unquote scary that kind of reminded I me I
1: have no me. idea. Okay, I was a Nickelodeon. I, I think, was more of a Nickelodeon kid and you were more of I think of a this Disney might be a generational kid. gap thing. <laughs> and you were more of a Disney <laughs> a kid. Yeah. I was... Are You Afraid oh, yeah. of the Dark scared the bejesus I love out you of the... me. I've tried to... Some episodes... Like I said, I'm right. almost 40 in some episodes. I'm like, no, I still can't watch this. I'm oh, yeah. I'm yeah. scarred. Yeah. Like, I still, yeah. I still no, can't I, watch this. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> but I yeah, the beginning love. of that film, the beginning of Final <laughs> Summer, I mean, that if anybody that is an 80s slasher fan, either you were introduced to it in the 90s or you grew up watching it or anything. I mean, that just really like the beginning yeah. of the film totally roped it in. It was, it was great. I love, oh gosh. I mean, I got all the, it really like, and then it really, but then it set the tone from there. And then like you said, like added all of these other elements. I know one of the other, one of the biggest parts of the film, and I'm so glad we got to meet uh, Miles Mm -hmm. because, I'm so glad we got to meet him because, um, you know, parts like his banter and like the really funny parts with, with him in the film Um, it almost kind of reminded me of, uh, oh gosh. And I cannot remember his name, but the, um, the friend in get out, you know, get out, get out has these moments, you know, and he's, he was, his background is a up comic, which was even better is that there's these moments in get out that are so tense. And then his friend is on the phone and you're like, oh, this is like, you need that. You need that breakup. Mm Right.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. No, true. Yeah, because yeah, I want it to be like a roller coaster ride, and I, I love Jordan Peele. And I, like, one of my favorite scenes in a Jordan Peele film is like an us when the dad fights his doppelganger oh, and- on the hmm. boat. And, and I love how like, Jordan Peele always sets it up so great to take it away from you immediately because like, the dad knocks himself in the water, and as an audience, you're like, yes. And then the boat lurches forward <laughs> and- immediately <laughs> falls into the ground. Mm-hmm. I love that when he's like, son of a bitch, it does it does go to the left. There <laughs> water.
1: It was such a dad moment too. It was yeah, so Yeah,
2: yeah, rude. yeah. But I love like and, and, and so like part of the the inspiration for the film was like the thought of like what if you were really in a slasher film and not just like what you think you would do in the slasher film but no like what you would really do and it's like you know a slasher film because i worked at bars you know uh, uh, for a while and i you know every now and then there'd be like a bar fight and bar fights would be like five seconds long Yep. there's a couple there's a couple thrown punches and then they're so exhausted from the adrenaline that they just like like idiots at that point you know <laughs> so i thought it'd be funny to have these mo- like characters have these moments where like it's their time to shine you know, and he does, he swings at the villain, and then immediately reverts straight back to Mario. <laughs> right? <laughs> and he's like, what am I doing? are like, oh my God, and then just freaks out, you know. <laughs> and so it was so much fun. I, I just remember, like, we were just dying on set laughing at a lot of the stuff. Uh, and, and, and Miles, who played Mario, he ad-libbed some stuff, and I was like, he's like, what do you think? I'm like, oh, no, no whatever you think you would say in the scene, because it, it should always feel like it comes from a real place as opposed yes. to... On the page, and even today, I was going back through the script to kind of do do a nice one for the distributor, or whatever, or, or like the most up-to-date one. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of stuff in here that they kind of came up with, which was cool, because it's it, it just fe- it should always feel natural. And so, like Mario, or Miles, who played Mario, I just loved this character, and and not and not just to be like the funny comic relief, but he always, but he also has these moments where you're like, he is. He is kind of a hero in a way, where he's, he's going to take care of his friends. He's looking out for his friends. He's kind of taking a step back, you know. And anyway, it's just, yeah, it's good stuff. Have you
0: ever seen the film Final Girls?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: This movie reminded me a lot of Final Girls, actually. Yeah. Um, I don't think... You've not seen that yet, have you? Yet. Final Girls is... Whenever someone asks me what the most underrated horror film is, I always say Final Girls. And I'm like, right. it's, it's so funny and it's oh so good Yeah. and honestly when I saw the trailer for your movie I was like I am getting Final Girls vibes hard <laughs> yeah, and I'm yeah. like and that makes me want to see it even more because
2: right.
0: Final Girls is so good and I loved it oh, yeah. but
2: the, the beginning of that movie is so effective it's so sad oh my goodness go, oh, gracious God. yeah oh that's, that's
0: probably like... why you haven't seen it. I I did tell you it's a bit trauma related
2: yeah But but some of it is so damn funny. I love how they're sitting there on the side of the road, and they're like, it's been 93 minutes, and then the the car shows up again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I also love it It, when the girl starts talking about the past, and the scene starts to change, and they're trying to get away from the killer, and she's just, like, saying it as fast as she possibly can so that the scene will change. Oh, Oh. is that the one with Tessa? Tessa Tessa Farmiga. Farmiga, Yeah, there's a lot of Milan and
2: Milan Ackerman. I love. Oh God, yeah. I want to to do a sequel because it's so it's just so perfect for it. You know, I got
0: emotional at the end of that one too. I cried.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was very emotional. Yeah.
0: One question that I've been meaning to ask you is um, how
1: how was the process with getting Tom Matthews involved in this? Because obviously obviously he was a very familiar face to to everybody.
2: Yeah. I reached out to a couple of actors. Uh, Kane Hodder was one, but he was, he was, he would have done it, but he, it was too expensive and I just didn't have the money. Um, Neil Affleck, uh, he finally came on, but then I, I couldn't with COVID. And so finally I'm like, well, I need somebody. And then I was looking around and I saw like, well, Tom Matthews would be pretty awesome. And so I reached out to his agent and, um, you know, sent him to sizzle reel kind of talked a bit about what the film was about and yeah, I think it just kind of resonated with him. Uh, you know, we, we got to talk like, so, you know, one day I just set up a zoom call. And I talked to him on zoom. I'm like, this is so surreal. Right. <laughs> you know, Cause I'm talking to, you know, Tom Matthews and that's odd, you know, <laughs> but he was the coolest guy. Um, and I think that he was just really, fun, just really cool to work with. I loved, uh, I, I love, film and, and he has this great film vocabulary he's, he's been in tons of movies and so being able to talk with him about you know camera movement and, and all these kinds of like his motivation he, it was exciting to, to kind of work with him and yeah he came out and you know shot of scenes uh, did a day of ADR because I was like we got to get every <laughs> line ADR because you never know you know and so but no he was great and it, you know it's it's funny sometimes because you 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 don't always think that you're going to be here you know like you don't think people are going to believe you know no one i always would say like no one ever is going to believe in your film as much as you do right. so the fact that anybody shows up at all is always like wow okay and i forget sometimes that he's in the film because because <laughs> <laughs> you get you get so caught up in the day-to-day and so i'm like wow like that's pretty awesome you know it's just that you know, it's my first film you know, and and that's the other paradox of your first film is usually no one is going to come, be in your film because you're you're unproven, you have no right. track record. No one knows if they're going to, you know, if, is this a legitimate thing or is this going to be some nonsense in someone's backyard? You know, so it, but it was it was great. You know, it was really cool to have him in the film, and I kind of felt going back to the legacy of these five thirteen actors, as I wanted his character to feel. And, and you know, no, knowing now, I would I would have done way more scenes with them, but it, it was never. It just with the story I was telling, it wasn't. It didn't really make sense for him to be in the film more. Right. I kind of. It was almost like a nod to him and his his legacy. I want to set him up almost like Tommy Lee Jones in like um, No Country for Old Men. You uh-huh. know, so like the scene at the end of the movie is kind of like like if if we didn't run out of light because <laughs> right. it was kind of, like dark and it was like all right we got to cut. And move on, but like I wanted it to have that feel of like the motel sequence in No Country. Oh man, there. So that was kind of meant to have that feel. And, and and as a fan, it's like I I wanted him to be like the last person you see on the screen, just to be like whoa, like something something heavy is coming, you know. And so that was kind of. So so yes, yeah, it, was, it, was, it was great working with him. And then if if we are lucky enough to get a. An audience from this film that he's going to play a much larger part in this in the sequel because it it's going to have more of this mystery of of what this this family of criminality is about you know right. so there'll be a little bit more of a police procedural kind of thing in the next one too so I'm I'm excited for that
1: yeah oh that's so that's awesome amazing. yeah because that I'm that excited. ending put mm-hmm. like seeing hit seeing his face I mean it really put like you're like oh I I, I have to see where this is gonna go
0: that was yeah. that was just it's like getting to the perfectly. end of a which i'm not a, I'm not a reader I don't like to read but it's like getting to the end of a really good book and it has a sequel but it's not out yet and you're like Ugh. I'm that kind of reader and yes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: feel like when oh, is this so, next book coming
2: out? <laughs> right. Well I was I was kinda you know, like one of my favorite movies as a kid was like Empire Strikes Back, you know, yes. and it ends on a downer in a way and you're just like Ugh. But the ending is so good. You're like it's it's got this emotional like you know, he's like, Don't worry, Leo, you're like we'll go find him and it, like Lando goes out on the Millennium Falcon into the you know the universe, and you're like, ah, like I'm I'm here for this, you know. Yes. So I remember oh. waiting for years for that to come back. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and so, but I, I, and so that's kind of wanted to have that unfulfilled ending, even though sometimes people are like, it doesn't end like a slasher film where the killer comes out at the end. And I'm like, yeah, but so what, dude? I've seen that movie a million times. A like, million times. <laughs> it's just, it's funny, like, to go to the, the horror, because I, I feel like I've learned much more now about the slasher fans and the horror fans to kind of see, all right, these are the sensibilities I need to bring to the next one. But also at the same time, I always go back to like Halloween ends. It's like, okay, everybody always wants the film that is in their head. Yes. If if you give them the film in their head, then they're pissed because it's like, Bruce is just the same thing I've seen 12 times. And so if you don't give them the film in their head, (laughs) then they get mad that you didn't give them the film in your head. So you can't win. So I'm like, all right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, we've we've made that comment so many times. Where those type of quote unquote fans, if you want to call them that, it's like you know what? Then make your own movie,
2: right? So oh, yeah,
1: make it's your own. Because I've met people yeah. like that that mm-hmm. are so overly critical. I mean, just like overly critical right. of of horror movies, especially <laughs> certain genres of horror, slasher genre of horror movies. They're so overly critical, and and exactly like you said, they've they've already written in their head what they wanted to see. And if right. they didn't get what they already wrote in their head, then they're mad and they're going to whine yeah. about it. And that is, that's when I just go, well then make your own movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, if you have a movie in I'm your head that myself. you want, right. If you have a movie in your head that you want made and that's yeah. not what you're seeing, it's not up to yeah. your quality. Then you make right.
0: your own film. Go ahead a, and do it. When I went and saw oh. Halloween three was how ha- Halloween three Halloween ends. Was it exactly what I thought it was going to be? No. I did have to sit on it for a minute, but when I sat on it for a minute and I realized what the movie was doing, and at the very end of the film, like the very last line of the film, she said, evil never dies. I, I got it. Yeah. I was, was like, fair. I know what they're doing. They're basically saying that anybody can be Michael at any time because any people are evil. People can be evil.
2: And
0: I was like, they went psychological with it. And everyone's losing their fucking minds over it. I'm like, I thought the movie (laughs) was great. Jeez.
2: Sometimes it was was kind of, to me, it was like the most tragic um, uh, Halloween movie, I thought. Just because of like, like when you watch it again, you're like, at no point does anyone ever listen to him in the film Mm -hmm. until he starts to, to commit violence. And so I think that's, I always go back to like, that was like, to me, it reminded me of some of the kids that I taught. It was like, if you don't listen to somebody in pain, you know, they're going to find other ways to get your attention. And so that was, it was really kind of a powerful film for me. I, I, I loved it. You know, and I, I remember there's this dude um, called Slasher Trash. He's like this slasher fan of the UK. And he was totally dogging it. And I'm like, dude, I think you should check it out again. Like, and so, Let you know, sure enough, like, about a month later, he's like, hey, I watched it again. You know what? I'm like, I told you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's because I feel like a lot of times, and me and Becky have talked about this a lot, and the best example I can always give is Hereditary. When you go into a film expecting one thing and then getting something completely different. Like, when I saw the trailer for Hereditary, I was like, oh, this is going to be some great paranormal Film. No, it was not in the slightest. And the first time I saw it, I hated it. I hated it. I was like, this was so, this is not what I wanted. This is not what I watched, like what I thought I was going to watch. And then I watched it again and I was like, this is a film about grief. Hold on a second. I need to rewind and I need to watch this film with a different set set of eyes. And now it's one of my favorite movies ever. So it's. When you watch it in the right mindset, or if you go into a movie with a thinking that it's going to be one thing and it's not, I feel like that can completely change your perspective on a film. So, oh, yeah, so. I usually will try to give it a second chance if that happens.
1: Yeah. And I think some okay. movies need a rewatch. Mm-hmm. I think even like um, like John, you were saying about about your film about Final Summer yeah. that that even as many times as you've watched it, and I think a lot of people could say this for 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 many films. You could watch it a hundred times and every single one of those times something's going to be different about it because you're either right. watching it from a different mindset in that moment or you're watching you're, you're looking at a different scene from a different perspective in that moment. So I think that could be true for for any film mm-hmm. that oh, yeah. you could watch it a hundred times and look at it a hundred different ways.
2: Oh, yeah. And I think, you yeah, some of the best cult films, I think, like, they kind of grow over time, too. And mm-hmm. so
0: yes. I, like, I love that know. Jennifer's body is all of a sudden getting the the right. greatness yeah. it deserves.
1: I'm oh, like, yeah, years yeah. later,
0: here we are, everyone's like, now oh, we yeah. want a sequel. And I'm like, please don't fuck it up if there is a sequel.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that was, what was a Diablo? Code? Cody wrote that one, too, right? Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. She's, she's awesome. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's great. So, yeah, no, I don't know. It's it's been a ride. It's been kind of crazy. To I can't believe we're here most days, really. At all. <laughs> I'm so happy
0: um, for you, though. Like you, uh, your vibe and everything about you. Not to make this an emotional mush fest, but your vibe yeah. and everything about you when we met you. Like you're just you are an absolute sweetheart, and this um, could not nice. be happening to someone better. Like you are such uh-huh. a sweet guy, and I'm so happy for you. And I can't wait to see what else you do. Oh, thanks.
2: Oh, some days I wasn't so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> that's just part of being a director. Sure. You're just you I part think that's part. just part
1: of being a director, right? Like yeah, yeah, you well,
2: know yeah, because like, yeah, well I told you like we we lost we had these like ripoff equity investors who tried to steal the film like four days from the start of the film. Oh, that's so awesome. It, mm-hmm. so it, it, it really I, I kind of came mm-hmm. into the film in a extremely like stressed out place, you know, so we we had a, a sixteen thousand dollar Kickstarter. I had like I think like four or five K investors like um, and I was doing everything else kind of out of pocket. But it it kind of sucked because it just you know, it's like immediately it's like, okay, we got to reevaluate this thing. So like that Friday night before we 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 shot our first day, I was talking to the crew like, can we even afford to do this film? You know, can we make this film? Because if we can't like you got to tell us now we got to agree now we're not going to make the film. But if you can hang in there for two weeks, and and I can, you know, be paying everybody in, in installments over time, like then, you know, then let's do it. And and um, incredibly, they all agreed to to make the film, and so that was awesome. So I, again, I, I owe so much to the to the cast and the crew for for sticking it through and, you know, being patient as I was. You know, I take on, you know, like once once our initial money was exhausted, I would continue to like do side gigs to pay everybody down, and so it's so that was what was so cool about you know like going to Whorehound is and and some of these other things we've played is like bringing the crew and the cast to the films to see it with an audience you know so that was like the first like Miles coming to see it like Paul and Cal and like uh, Thomas and some of the other guys it's just because they're just as much a part of this as as me you know and so it's kind of incredible you know you know I remember like some days it you know, you mentioned like the crystal lake memories, like documentary, and it felt yeah. like you were kind of following in those footsteps a bit. You know, I think they had more money than us. Right. <laughs> but, like, it felt very family in a way with the crew, and I, and I you know, I was operating a camera, I was pulling focus, I was doing the lighting diagrams, so I was moving C stands and stuff, and so I was with them. I, I wasn't like at a monitor sitting on my butt. You know, I was sipping a latte like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was in the pool freezing at the end of this of movie with like oh, Lazzo and everybody else. And so like Luzzo was spotted and me in the pool. So I went and dropped my camera. Like, I got this like makeshift, like fish tank rig in my camera. And so it was, <laughs> it was very, very indie film. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, for example, like we're going to be playing this uh, kind of a, a screening in New Jersey coming up with, uh, at the theater of this indie filmmaker who to me is like the indie filmmaker of like all time you know kind of thing so i'm really excited for that uh, uh so i'll be that, that's going to be coming up i'll make an announcement about that but um but yeah i'll, I'll just say new jersey indie filmmaker you all could put together but <laughs> but it's it's, it's right. gonna be, to me i'm just like i can't believe we're gonna that's awesome. You know, my wheels I, 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 are
1: already, my wheels are already spinning. So same. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like,
2: I'll just say that like his, his film back in the nineties kind of, to me, it was piqued my attention for like what, Oh wow. Um, anybody can make a film. Yeah, so, um, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Right. So, it's kinda, so it's, it's, it's really exciting. Um, I'm just, just locking down some dates now, but it's just I think that's the thing. I worked on films that were, like, you know, million-dollar budgets and, like, half-million-dollar budgets. Any films where everything goes – I mean, every, no, nothing is ever going right. It's always – there's always struggles. There's never enough money. My friend Sarah Sharp, she is a producer on uh, – uh, she was a producer on Revealer and uh, Ted Gagan's Brooklyn 45 and Black Malt, which is coming to Panic Fest. And I just remember she's, like, this unflappable producer where, like, she she lost, like – couple hundred grand in the middle of one film and you would never know it cause she was so cool and together. And, and, and I don't know, just, I've, I've been lucky to have really good mentors like Rob, my friend Rob Stern, who uh, is a, is a really talented DP and he's a producer and he's kind of talked me off the ledge a few times <laughs> during the making of this film when I want to like put my head through a wall or, or, mm-hmm. or someone else's head through a wall. But, <laughs> but it's just, it's just, it's, I think the coolest thing is like the, like you mentioned horror hound and the horror community and could not have had a better experience meeting all of you and all of the horror fans you know because i'm a horror fan too so like when i go to the convention i see like a sign that's like strode realty i'm like oh dude like i gotta get that thing (laughs) (laughs) and to find other people who like laugh about the same stuff you know i i I kind of it's 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 beautiful you know It, it reminds me of when i was in indie bands and you know, or you go to, like, a concert, you know, and you're there with, like, a like hundred other, like, you know, or just, you know, hundreds of other, like, fans who love the same music you do, and you don't you don't feel so weird anymore, you know? I kind of love that, so.
0: Oh, I agree. Yeah, Horror Hound is a home away from home. It's the atmosphere and everything, the horror community, it's just, it's wonderful. It really, yeah. really
1: is. I feel that same way, not only with music, but um, I'm a huge stand-up comedy fan, and I I, i'm going to like the one of the first stand-up shows i've been to in a while this year and um that that is that's a huge sense of camaraderie i mean it oh, very yeah. much in the same of like that a concert uh convention you know you're standing in line you're talking to people you're like how many times have you seen so and so oh i've seen this person too and then you all get in there and we're all oh, yeah. laughing at the same jokes and then you're walking right. out and we're all talking about oh god that joke was so funny and that like it's <laughs> It's such a, you only get those, you know, and especially in this world we're living in today where everything seems on the outside so, everybody is so divided. Mm -hmm. Everybody's so divided. We're so pulled apart that when you have these moments at a concert, a convention, a comedy club, where we're all, you're getting that, like, really what we are as humans. We're, you know, we're, we're villagers. We're all supposed, you're supposed to be together together. Um, You get that sense again. And you're like, oh, this is so cool. Like it's such a it's a it's a really neat thing to come together for something like that. That's that makes you feel and again, it's certain concerts, certain comedy shows, horror conventions, you can feel like such an outsider with those okay. things like you can feel like in your normal mainstream life you can look like such a weirdo because you're into this stuff but then you get to go you get together with all these other weirdos
2: we are and the you're weirdo like monster.
1: we're the collective like this oh, is yeah. this is really 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 cool
2: oh yeah like i remember i was at days of that chicago we had a screening and it was funny because my screening it kept the, the the it kept like breaking every like 10 15 minutes of it course was, freeze. I was like, Oh my God. So I would just tell like behind the scenes stories. But I remember like talking to this one guy and he was like, you know, he's like, Oh man, you know, I went to go see Friday the thirteenth, uh like when I was in college, like opening night and da 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 and it was yeah, you know, it was just kinda cool how everybody has these these stories and, and all of these films resonate with people on so many different levels and uh it just kind of you know, it's like it's nice to feel less alone, you know, in the world and the you know the community. Like you said, the community is, is great and it, I don't know. It's just it's a it's a really cool thing. So I just really grateful for everybody I met and all the other filmmakers too, because then you hear their stories and you're like, well, I guess I guess this is not that crazy, <laughs>
0: right? <laughs> but i always love hearing everybody's different stories too like where everybody comes from and all that everything yeah so to uh to wrap up john um do you have any upcoming things you want to talk about or anything um, you can plug
1: or yeah like any
0: anywhere anybody can see them film yet or anything like that
2: yeah we'll be at panic fest um uh april 13th through the well we're going to be in the virtual fest but i'm going to be there in person for um uh, a couple of premieres, so John Pata's film, Black Mold, I worked on is premiering there along with um, uh, Ted Gagan's film, Brooklyn 45, that I worked on. Um, and then we're going to be playing at Crimson Screen Film Festival in Columbia, South Carolina in May. And then um, I'm working on some anthology. Uh, there's like a segment of this anthology is called EFT. And it's like, it's about like... Um, oh, like the day before the apocalypse, whatever. I'm doing like a short segment in that, that'll be really, it's it's basically like I would say it's a mashup of the opening from War Games and the fight scene from They Live. Uh, okay. <laughs> so it's just, it's just I'm here for this, that. It's just this insanely kind of funny, like there's this uh, a Spanish anthology film called Wild Tales. And if you've ever seen that, there's a segment in there called Road Rage. And it's just these two guys getting you know, this insane fight. And it's so hilarious and, and dark, but really funny. And so that's kind of uh, my short. But then otherwise I'm working on, um, yeah, just just starting either, depending on how this film is received, either Final Summer 2, which I'll shoot next summer, or uh, summer 2024, or I'm working on this other film called uh, Dreamer, um, which is kind of more of like a, that's a, a little bit more of like a, like, uh, like a based around like a sleep study and nightmares. So it has this kind of uh like I'm a big fan of like Panos Cosmatos who did uh, beyond the black rainbow and Mandy. And so I kind of wanted to do something more visual with like a smaller cast. So, uh, so there's some really awesome locations in Rantoul abandoned hospitals, abandoned buildings, all this kind of stuff. So, so I'm kind of going for more of a, so if, if I go to that, then I'm going to be doing more of a kind of a nightmare esque kind of a film, but, Anyway, that's kind of it. What about you all?
0: <laughs> nice. Well that sounds pretty good. That sounds great. That's um so awesome. like you sound busy.
2: It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, insane right now. It's kinda correct. It's kinda nuts, but um That's awesome. Know, that's, it's just one of those things where like like my producer's rep that I kinda met, he was like, you know, your film has got a hundred percent chance of failing on day one. So this is go time. So i I've been kind of like, yeah, like this, it has to kind of happen now. So
0: what was the, uh, I don't know if you even know, but what was that thing about AMC that you posted?
2: Oh, that was crazy. Yeah. Cause, um, I was just, uh, yeah, cause I talked to like the distributor about, you know, like, like, you know, like theatrical, cause I was seeing how, you know, Skin and Marine had really hit viral, how Terrifier 2 had opened the doors for indie horror and then, you know, i have seen other knuckleheads like the this Winnie the Pooh stuff. <laughs>
0: right? Yeah. I low-key really want to yeah, see yeah. that. I
2: don't know. <laughs> I really
1: want to see Marink. I need to see that. I, I really just... struggled
0: with that movie. Yeah. Is, it, is it hard to it watch? It is really boring. I, I get what they were trying to do, but the movie is yeah. an hour and 15 minutes too long.
2: so it should have
0: been a short it should have been a short okay i might still check it out
2: (laughs) yeah there's a short film called heck that's like 28 minutes long that's this basically where this came from oh okay okay
0: okay okay but
2: but i I was just inspired by both films because i felt like it was showing that indie film and indie horror film is possible Mm -hmm. in a theatrical thing and and so we like we did a a a drive-in premiere that was just we we outsold Halloween ends on like the opening night of Halloween. Ends. Wow. It was, it was insane. Like I was terrified. No one's going to show up. And then we outsold them. I was like, Holy crap. And then we did four days at a local movie theater and we, we were doing like solid business every day. So to, to where the, the upper people were like, you got to come back anytime you got to film, come back, and, you know? And so I kept telling our distributor, like, Oh, we got to do, we got to do theatrical. Dah, 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 dah. Now's the time. And they're like, Oh, I don't know. Cause it's such a gamble. To do theatrical it's more likely than not your film is not going to do any business there and most distributors are not even interested in theatrical but I was just seeing the promise of what Terrifier 2 was opening the door for I'm like how about this like let's just do one weekend and we'll see what happens and then open it up from there and I didn't really hear anything back at all and then I was just randomly scrolling through Friday night and I saw this like coming soon availability final summer I'm like holy crap what <laughs>
0: So At AMC theater. Wow. Yeah, I saw yeah,
2: that. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And so I, I kind of feel like one of the lessons, and I'm totally giving away the secrets here, but <laughs> <laughs> one, of lessons, one of the lessons I've learned from the, doing all of this thing, doing social media and everything is that you can kind of manifest things sometimes by, by speaking it out, you know, like, mm-hmm. like hey, and it kind of carries on a life of its own. It kind of has its own viral thing. And like, all these distributors that kind of blew me off. Like I, I went to AF, this was funny. I'll, I'll tell you this last story. I went to AFM and I saw this one distributor and I had worked on several of their films that they had posters for in the place. I walked in I'm like, Hey, what's up? How you doing? You know, like, Oh, I worked on this film and that film. Like, here's my film. And they just looked at me like, who is this insane person? <laughs> like, <laughs> Wow. Someone get him out of here. He's obviously crazy. You know, I'm like, Oh yeah. But they just looked at me like completely confused. And so I'm like, all right, well that obviously went nowhere. <laughs> but then, like after I I got on TikTok and I I launched a TikTok page, just out of a total laugh, because I'm like Gen X, like what am I gonna do on TikTok, you know? And yeah, so, <laughs> I was like such a fraud. The first day I was like, that thing is lit, and I'm like, well, I will never talk again. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> Someone smacked me in the face if I ever say that word again. But uh, I, I launched our trailer, and it like two days later we had like a hundred thousand views and literally that same distributor came calling like like a week later like hey you guys looking for world you know what's <laughs> going on i'm like dude we just signed distribution like somebody else like <laughs> you you call me now like come on man so anyway. that's how it be
1: yep you snooze <laughs> so you lose you,
2: uh, the, all these filmmakers out there potential future filmmakers social media is king so definitely yeah
0: well, yeah, I'm telling man. you, this is kind of kind of parallels with you. You know, the first yeah. distributor that Taylor Swift wanted to go with said no, she wouldn't make it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that I'm just be. I'm just saying, like but, you know, it's yeah. these. Well, I, was, I bet they're biting their tongue. At this oh, I think point. that
2: happens a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, they, they definitely said anytime I have any feature movies to send them their way. But that's funny because I I met I was working on a music doc and I met this guy in Nashville, who his label turned down nirvana yeah <laughs> but, I, but i also feel like it's kind of like when i was in bands you know i would see plenty of bands we would play with some there was a band called engine down out of richmond virginia that we played with and they were so good and and sometimes i think like with with films and, and bands like you you might be an amazing band but you might just have the wrong label, or the wrong timing, and so it's nothing wrong about what you're doing, it's just timing, and so there's so many factors to where you can have success or never have success, so it's, so I think in in that sense, I think when you understand that it's so tenuous, it's so impossible, it's such a miracle, that it kind of frees you up to be kind of fearless about it, you know, it's like, I feel like the reason I made this film was because I was no longer with that person, and it, and what they did was kind of free me from your normal fears of oh i'm not good enough no oh, dah, da, da, da to be like well, if that person is never in my life ever again i got nothing to be afraid of
1: right <laughs> so, yeah
2: why not? so so there's 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 almost like no question to like let's do this impossible thing and see what happens so so i think just to go to the, anyone listening it's like the only things you really have to fear it, or i always say like if all we have to fear is nothing then you have nothing to be afraid of, you know, right. Because like worse. that happens. Oh, they don't like it. They don't sign us. We don't get into the festival. We don't get that actor. Who cares? Just take a shot. You know, that's, that's anyway, that's my, that's my 50 cents.
1: (laughs) I agree the way this podcast has taken off and you know, we, um, I, I, we, I can't say the name of who yet, but we just signed a pretty big major sponsor and, um, Like that came, that was that came like two days after Horror Hound, like out uh-huh. of the blue, like got the email and was like, Excuse me, what? And uh <laughs> so that, like, it was just wild how, and I, so I've, I've, I'm a firm believer, and especially with a lot of stuff that's happened with this podcast, um that what you put out there, you just, you have to manifest it. Uh-huh, you really do. You really have to manifest it. It will happen. And, and again, too, that, that, I, I couldn't agree more like after my experience. I I have this sense of fearlessness now that I've yeah. never, ever, ever had. Where I'm just like, you know what? I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> you know, like it's pretty brand. <laughs> it's yeah. it's it's freeing. I yeah. mean, it's just it's the most amazing feeling ever. Because you I'm just stuck. have yeah, there's no you've you you've walked through that fire, so there's oh, yeah. no fear anymore. Like All what right. what more could happen than I have already been
2: through i know yeah yeah i mean there's <laughs> definitely days you'll still have imposter syndrome but i think that's oh a thousand break. yeah i think i think if just you have nothing of fear other than just things not happening so to make it happen is just all on you so that's exciting congratulations on that for the podcast so. thank you well, thank you I really thank appreciate you, that
0: thank you so much john for I again being willing to super quickly yeah. Reschedule and then being yeah. on the podcast tonight and talking to us about your movie and um and just everything yeah, yeah just everything you're you're yeah. awesome and we wish well, nothing but the best for you.
2: Well, thank you so much. I'm gonna get some. I'm gonna get go get a, a burrito for. A burrito. Go get oh, that I was, burrito. I was gonna say, are
0: you gonna? Did you decide a cheeseburger or <laughs> a or a dorito? Or a dorito? <laughs> one dorito. One single dorito for dinner. Yeah. one yeah, dorito. All right.
1: So, all right,
2: all right. We'll see y'all. Thank you. Thank guys. you so, right, much, John. so much. Have a great night. Yeah,
1: have a good one. Thanks. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tonight. Um, for joining us tonight and dealing with the reschedule. Uh, thanks to John. Um if anybody got to see Final Summer at Horror Hound, it was incredible. Um, everybody that invo- that was involved was great. Um hopefully you get to go to one of the film festivals he discussed and and view it and Hopefully it does get a major distributor. I would love to see this movie at AMC. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see it on... I'd love to have a DVD hard copy of it. I'd love to be able to
0: stream it. Um, It would be pretty cool if he was able to get it on, like, Tubi or Amazon Prime or, like, something like that. Even Shudder. Shudder would be a great spot. Oh, for sure. For sure.
1: Um, If you guys (coughs) want to follow... Um for any information about Final Summer. Um, so it is Final Summer Movie at Final Summer Movie on Instagram. Um, you can follow on there to get some more information. Uh what it what is he on Facebook?
0: Um, Facebook is Final Summer Movie. Final Summer Movie. Okay. Instagram is Final Summer Movie. There is okay. not a Twitter. Um
1: okay. Cause... So for now, just Instagram and Facebook Final Summer Movie. Uh, please show them some support um, as much as you can. The it there's just not enough I can say about how much I really enjoyed this movie and every aspect of it. Just the old school slasher vibe, the the psychological aspects to it, the killer, the just the the humor in it, the ending of the movie, um, and of course Tom Matthews from Friday the Thirteenth Part Six
0: being involved was. Was really which crazy. I actually recognized him because I mean, that's we all, really yeah. the only oh, final yeah. or final the thirteenth Friday the thirteenth I that one is really good one. that one is
1: good it I was. actually really it's really very enjoyed good. that
0: one. Um. So what do we have?
1: Going so on for, for next week, week, guys. Um. We're churning out a lot of interviews. We're just letting you guys know horror. If you guys listened to our episode last week where we told you about our experience at Horror Hound, we met so many <clears> incredible <throat> filmmakers that are will that are agreeing to interview with us. Um.
0: So we have a lot of interviews coming. <laughs> uh, next week, we are having an interview with his name is Ryan Shovey. He did a short at Horror Hound called Sloppy Seconds, which was absolutely incredible. It was hilarious. Um, he won an award for hilarious. best Effects,
1: which was deserved. Very much.
0: Um, and it was. It was hilarious. It was a short. It was a horror short, and it was absolutely brilliant. And uh, he has agreed to come on the show for next week. And he's very excited. We're very excited. Um, so yeah, that is the next interview that we have coming, and it will be on Wednesday as long as nobody gets food poisoning
1: no, stop it. <laughs> nobody's allowed to ever get food poisoning ever again. ever
0: again um never yeah, again. guys like you hopefully by next week,
1: fingers crossed we will be able to um well, you'll know it when you hear our ad <laughs> yep you'll you'll know it when you hear hear our ad about hell well you'll know it when you'll hear our ad <laughs> We're fine. Totally it's been a, fine. It's been a day. It's been a day. Um, it's been a lot. of I took a three-hour nap and time traveled and forgot everything. <laughs> I forgot how to talk. I forgot I had to get my taxes done. I literally
0: forgot about You were like, what is life?
1: I've had, like, the most horrible sleep in the last two nights. So today, like, that three-hour nap was, like, I basically hit Control-Alt-Delete, guys. So <laughs> that's why I was struggling so hard. You really did. <laughs> We both kind of hit Control-Alt-Delete and, like, didn't even mean to. Listen. Um, But also, guys, our, our merch is still on sale. Yes. Please take advantage of that for this month. Um, And check out Teespring and all of the shirts and stickers and mugs and tote bags. And the tote bags are great for conventions. Wednesday are for podcast shirt. Represent the Wednesday series. Christina Ricci is going to be coming to... um Fingers crossed is gonna be coming to Cincinnati she Comic Expo. Cancel. So I will be buying a Wednesday shirt to wear. I mean, I just want one anyway, but I really wanna I really wanna wear it and have her see it because I mean she's OG Wednesday. She so she is Wednesday. She is Wednesday. I
0: mean, don't get me wrong, I like Jenna Ortega. I, I love Jenna Ortega. But I She's didn't grow up with Jenna R.J.
1: So. I didn't either. I grew
0: up with <laughs> So Also, if you guys can believe we're at episode 200, this is our actual 200th episode. That is so insane to me. Um, but yeah, thank you to John and uh, all of the interviews that we have coming up. Guys, they're going to be absolutely great. Please um, support indie filmmakers. Yes. Support indie filmmakers. Guys, you know,
1: we are seeing, we are interviewing people right now than in a few years could have major films out there on Netflix and the theaters and i mean like there there's so many filmmakers i could name right now that started off doing either short films or just little shorts you know F- lights out was a short i mean saw look at, was look a how short
0: Fire blew up
1: yeah my husband i totally forgot he had never seen the lights out short like I was trying I was was trying to explain shorts to him like how they and I was like well we saw lights out I was like did you ever see the short and he's like no I didn't I was like I cannot believe you never watched so I showed it to him and I was like I was like I'm gonna turn away at the very end because this freaks me out every fucking time and I think this is like the third or fourth time I've seen it so he's watching it watching it gets to the end and I turn and he goes okay yeah that's uh that was scary and uh I could see how that would be the short is terrible i mean listen i love the movie but watching that short again and i hadn't seen that short in 8000 years that short is fucking that terrifying. image of that
0: face before it, it turns it. the light off has never left my brain well it's going to leave my brain before i go to bed cuz I, <laughs> I need to fucking sleep <laughs> well you guys um is that everything that's everything oh, the socials. so socials. we are on facebook instagram and twitter all at dfwto podcast uh, handle is dfwto8811. If you have any questions, concerns, want to say hey, hit us up on dfwto8493 at gmail.com. Also, please make sure you follow and subscribe on Google Podcasts, Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Yeah, you can rate us on Spotify, so please. Um, also, we fuck Linktree. Listen to like um, two
1: episodes and then rate us on Spotify.
0: Yeah. Um, fuck Linktree. I went and did a thing called Flowpage and it made the page the page look so much better now. Um it, I love I really like Flowpage. I really do. I love it. To the point where someone from Flowpage reached out to me and was like, I absolutely love the design of this. Um so We also have a new surprise. We have business cards coming out here soon. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have the sponsor coming. There's just a lot going on right now, and it's exciting, and it's fun. Manifest. Manifest. John said. Manifest. Speak it out there. Yes. Speak that shit. All right, guys. Well, we do hope you have a wonderful week. We'll be back on Wednesday with another interview. We'll be talking to Ryan. Can't wait. And um, you guys be safe. We love you. Thanks for all the support. And remember,
1: don't don't fuck fuck with with the original. original.
0: Bye. Bye.